0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the government defends its decision to accept vaccines from the Global Vaccine Sharing Initiative, COVAX.
1: For a country that is a country of of many people from many parts of the world, a country that says it wants to be a responsible international citizen, it's very embarrassing uh, for us to to be the only G7 country to be dipping into this uh, fund that was really intended for poor countries.
0: The Liberals say they're open to a conservative call for a special committee to examine Canada-US relations. This committee will be specialized. It's an all-hands-on-deck approach to focus in on the critical importance and literally, there's there's almost every sector or economy impacted by the U.S. relationship. And reports say both Liberal and Conservative governments were aware of allegations against former Chief of the Defence Staff, General Jonathan Vance.
1: We're hearing that actually concerns were flagged to Harajit Sajjan, the Minister of National defense's office in 2018. Um, but if there was anything worth acting upon, it seems like the Privy Council Office, the Prime Minister's department, felt there wasn't.
0: It's Friday, February the 5th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea.
1: Good morning, Mark.
0: So let's talk about vaccines. It's the end of another week where the opposition has been asking a lot of questions, and others as well, about Canada's procurement of vaccines, the fact that we're actually tapping into a vaccine sharing initiative called COVAX, which was meant in part to support third world countries, developing countries in procuring vaccines. Uh, What do you think the sum total of of this week's uh, uh, developments on the vaccine front means in terms of the government's handling of this issue?
1: Well, it has not been a good week, Mark. Um, You're right in saying that COVAX is in part, well, it's primarily about ensuring a supply for countries who really actually can't afford to buy vaccines on their own. But part of the program is also the way it works, essentially, is that countries are supposed to also buy so that there is, buy for themselves, that is, so that there is an even uh, larger purchasing order if you will and so that they get a better price this is the idea of bulk buying i guess for for the world right and the news this week that canada basically has had to dip into um its covax order an order that um to be fair to the government they placed back in september saying we're going to spend 220 million dollars to buy vaccines through covax and we're also going to donate an additional 220 million dollars they're actually giving more money than that but that. There's, you know, half of it is for the rest of the world and half of it is for Canadians. But of course, if things were going well, um, if there were no delays with Pfizer, if there were no delays with Moderna, the government would probably not be dipping into that first shipment of COVAX vaccines. Um, A minimum of 1.9 million doses are expected to come. Before mid June, that number could actually be as high as 3 million doses, but it's the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is not yet approved, and it's a two dose vaccine. So you're looking at about 1 to 1.5 million Canadians possibly being vaccinated from that pool. Um, the other thing that we learned um, this week is that uh, the government has tried to get a vaccine candidate. So um, the company is behind the vaccines in the summer, last summer, to produce the vaccines in Canada because obviously one of the big knocks against the government is, you know, if you look at the UK, for example, they don't need to dip into their COVAX supply because they have domestic production in that country right there. And they didn't have, pro- so they did not have production prior to COVID-19 pandemic, but they've built it. So why couldn't the Canadian government built it? And uh, the answer from the procurement minister on Thursday was, well, we asked everybody and everybody said no. <laughs> so things are not going well on uh, on the vaccine front. The the news that Canada is having to dip into COVAX, I think, is especially um, sad from a brand perspective for the government. A lot of progressives will agree with the NDP and the Greens. Um, its leader, Annamie Paul, on Thursday said, you know, just because... Um, you can do something doesn't mean that it is right. Um, I will say, Asterix, that uh, while it's accurate to say Canada is the only member of the G7 that is in that supply, it's slightly misleading because actually most of the members of the G7 chose not to purchase vaccines through Covax at all. Mm. So the only other countries in the G7 are Japan um, and the UK, and the UK obviously doesn't need it, the COVAX so um right. France and Germany and Italy um they have donated to the to the the world's poor but they have not used Covax to get their own supply and in fact France was criticized back in September for not joining the program because it was seen as a knock against the ability to to bulk buy further if those EU countries had done their purchasing order through Covax then possibly more countries would have been able to use the vaccine so it's almost like um, can I say damn? You're, you're like you're damned if you do, you're damned if right. you don't. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, it's an interesting situation for sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, just before we move on to other topics, just quickly, uh, what do you think the implications of all of this are? Obviously, if at a certain point a lot of vaccines come into the country and the rate of inoculation goes up dramatically, then then this will this period will be forgotten. But in the meantime, uh, we are still seeing seeing polls that show the liberals. Uh, in reasonably good shape uh, in public opinion, but is this going to start damaging the government's reputation?
1: It's interesting you mentioned the polls because there are two interesting polls this week, or uh, the, the CPC poll tracker, um, basically suggesting that the Liberals have a comfortable lead, but it may not be that comfortable. Except when you start looking at regional breakdowns, you see that actually the Liberals are far ahead of the Conservatives in Ontario, they're 20 points ahead in Atlantic Canada, and seven points ahead of the Bloc Québécois in Quebec. And so they're actually in pretty safe majority territory of things we're holding. But then there's another poll from campaign research uh, that was published in the Toronto Star earlier this week that had 52% of Canadians blaming the federal government for the slowdown in vaccines. And I think you're right about a political cost. I mean, basically, the prime minister and liberal cabinet ministers have continuously repeated that uh, two deadlines, basically, that... They are going to get six million doses by the end of March, and this is based solely on what Pfizer and Moderna are telling the government. And we know Pfizer and Moderna have since changed their minds on, uh, on you know, what weeks that we're getting how many vaccines. So you know, if they, if they say finally in sometime in March, actually we can't deliver the million plus doses a week that we need to to make that commitment, then the government will look like it has eggs on egg on its face. The other deadline that's probably easier to meet is that September deadline the Prime Minister is repeating that any Canadian who wants a vaccine will be able to get one by the end of September. I think that's easier to meet because of the AstraZeneca vaccine that hasn't been approved yet and the Johnson and Johnson vaccine that hasn't been approved yet. We would have we have 80 million doses planned with just Moderna and Pfizer. So adding those other vaccines in the mix, you have significantly more than wow. enough to vaccine every, vaccinate everybody, but um, I, I think it does mean that the possibility of a spring election mark is way less uh, likely than uh, you know we were talking about back in December and even early January.
0: Mm. Yeah, I suspect you're right about that. Uh, We'll see how things play out in the weeks ahead. Um, uh, But the Liberals may have less appetite for it than they might have done a month ago. All right. Let's talk about Canada-U.S. relations, which are in an interesting juncture right now. There's obviously, as everyone knows, a new administration in the White House. but. Some of the initial steps that have been taken by Joe Biden have, have not uh, been helpful to Canada. Um, the Conservatives are calling for a special committee to examine Canada-U.S. relations. The Liberals are saying they're open to that. Uh, where would that lead, do you think?
1: Ah, oh, this is interesting. It's a, um, an issue where both political parties think that they have an advantage and they're, they're willing to play this kind of charade. I'm not sure what the committee will actually uh, manage to do in terms of, you know, productive work. Um, But the Conservatives want to focus on two things that they think are a vulnerability for the Liberals. The Buy American provisions that the Biden administration wants to impose and that trillion dollar, two trillion, I think, uh, of procurement and uh, spending that they want to do down there. And the uh, Enbridge pipeline known as Line 5, which some U.S. officials want to close. So basically they're saying, we want to explore the weak points of the relationship, the problems that you might have, and we want to show Canadians that, you know, for all this talk about uh, Justin Trudeau and Joseph Biden being simpatico one with the other, actually, uh, when it comes to jobs and and supply uh, for Canadians, you're actually dropping the ball. And the liberals think that this is a winner for them because they could talk about things where they think both, um, both administrations, if I can use that term uh, in this context, are simpatico when it comes to climate change, when it comes to hydro uh, for, you know, Quebec selling more for British Columbia, Manitoba selling uh, energy to the U.S., uh, when it comes to the transportation sector, how they can harmonize regulation on anything from uh vehicle emissions to to methane you know they think that there is well basically i mean let's be frank uh justin trudeau uh, and the liberals have been waiting for this administration for well since 2016 they want to accomplish the things that they hope to accomplish with hillary clinton's administration and so um You're already seeing the warm relationships starting to build. There was a call this week with Kamala Harris. Omar Al-Gabra had a call with Pete Buttigieg. Am I pronouncing that right?
0: Pete Buttigieg, Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I have (laughs) trouble with that name. Uh, (laughs) Then you, uh, Secretary of Transportation. Um, And so, you know, we know that, for example, on the natural resources file, uh, that there there are more... um, uh, homologues that are going to be reaching out to their counterparts in order to kind of show, it. like Canada is an easy call to have as your first call. There aren't that many issues and right. everybody makes everybody feel good. And so right. uh, you're seeing those close ties um, start to get built. Um, and it's true that liberals already have pretty close ties to the Biden White House.
0: All right. Very quickly, uh, as we wrap up, uh, an investigation has been opened. The military has confirmed this into allegations against the former chief of the defense staff, Jonathan Vance. Uh, there is word that liberal and conservative governments were made aware of those allegations. Uh, uh, we'll see where this investigation leads, obviously, and, and, um, and we have to wait for that. But uh, what do you think about the potential political fallout from this?
1: Yeah, I want to say that I have not done any reporting on this file, and kudos to Mercedes Stevenson and Marc-Anne and Amanda Connolly at um, Global, uh, who've really been, uh, well, who broke who this story and continue to break news on this story. So as you mentioned, yeah, we heard on Thursday that the military police is investigating Um, The new chief of defense staff said on Wednesday, I believe, that that D&D would be investigating. So I'm not sure if that's a separate investigation or not. And then we're hearing that actually concerns were flagged to Harjit Sajjan, the minister of national defense's office in 2018. Um, But if there was anything worth acting upon, it seems like the Privy Council office, the prime minister's department, um, felt there wasn't. Um it's an interesting situation because General Vance obviously is retired and um it's hard to impose accountability when the, there's right. um there's not much the government can do but I think uh you know for a government that has said very clearly that it wants to support women has I mean General Vance himself has been like the public space of uh, so much of the military's efforts to recruit more women, to talk about the culture needing to change within the department and the Canadian forces, Um, and the Liberal government, Justin Trudeau personally, uh, imposing that zero tolerance uh, on any type of uh, inappropriate sexual behavior. So there is going to be pressure for Mm. the federal Liberals to do something.
0: All right. Althea, thank you for sharing your thoughts on all of this with us today. Have a great weekend.
1: Thank you very much. You too, Mark.
0: That's Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief. In recent weeks, Canadians have had their trust shaken in the government's plan on vaccines. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the National Post argues vaccine failures will mean more COVID-19 deaths. The Post writes... The government's pandemic strategy has been littered with noble goals that have failed to stop the growing death count. They could be forgiven for missteps in the beginning when the whole world was scrambling to try to understand and contain this outbreak. But after almost a year, the Trudeau government must wear its failures. Lives are at stake, and continued incompetence is completely unforgivable. In the Globe and Mail, Lawrence Martin argues Joe Biden's challenge will be reversing anti-Americanism in Canada. Martin writes, safe to say that never in the past century has America been viewed in such negative terms by Canadians as it is now. There is much to make up for. Under Donald Trump, Canada wasn't treated like a neighbour and friend, but more like any other hunk of geography. Prior to him, all was hardly rosy. Bilateral relations have been strained for much of the past 20 years. In the Toronto Star, Tony Berman considers Joe Biden's first foreign policy steps. Berman writes This week, Joe Biden gave his first speech on foreign policy as U.S. president, undoubtedly aware of how rocky the road ahead will be. Four years of Trump's rule in the U.S. not only undermined American democratic institutions, but also encouraged other authoritarian leaders worldwide. That is the world that Biden has inherited. And that is the mountain he will have to climb to restore his country's place of leadership on the global stage. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will provide an update on COVID 19 from Rideau Cottage. He will also make a virtual visit to the Youth Biolab in Winnipeg, followed by a virtual visit with students at Sutherland Secondary School in North Vancouver, BC, along with Education Minister Jonathan Wilkinson. He'll finish his day with a virtual visit. To a business in Woodbridge, Ontario. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will host a call with provincial and territorial finance ministers. Conservative leader Erin O'Toole will speak at an Ontario Chamber of Commerce event. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will make an announcement about the NDP's plan to take profits out of long-term care. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, February the 5th. Tune into Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.